everybody. Welcome to the Macaw Podcast Universe. Where the- we exist to prove, pre- prove people wrong when they say sequels are never better than the originals. You know, I was just editing a couple of these, and it is funny that you just can't get through the intro. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Not I think- great at reciting things out loud, I guess. Yeah, it's very funny. Um, Today we cover Godfather 3. We cover Godfather Part 3. And close out the Godfather verse. <laughs> yes. It, so that's funny you say that. I was I watched this little uh, YouTube video where it was um, explaining why Robert Duvall wasn't in this movie, yep. which we'll get into later. Yeah. And um, he sa- he kept referring to it as like, like the Godfather universe. And I was like, ew. No, no, this is not the Godfather universe. It's just the a Godfather. series. It's just the, we don't have to refer to any series as the universe yeah. or like the world of Godfather or something. It's like, come on. It takes place in our world. Yeah. It's, come on, just, but, um, so we're talking Godfather 3, a movie that is pretty openly borderline reviled, I would say. Mm-hmm. People think it's about as bad as movies get. Well, I don't know if people have that opinion, but people don't like this movie. Mm-hmm. And this was my second time seeing the movie. Okay. And this was your first. Yeah. So what do you, compared to the consensus, what was your experience? It's on- definitely the, the, the other two are definitely better than this one. Agreed. Yes. There's no contest. True. This one was not... I didn't not enjoy it. I don't know what happened. The uh-huh. story was kind of boring slash so bogged down in details that I'm not sure what happened. Therefore, I'm not exactly sure how characters grew. Sure. Because the other movies are kind of complicated too. I, I, but very we, much. But we Especially knew the second one. what was going on essentially and like uh-huh. what, why it was important. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I could not tell you what happened in this movie. Well, it's funny you say that because throughout our podcast, you've talked a lot about how, like, the details of plots sometimes are hard for you to follow. Yeah. And, um, but that is a common complaint with this movie. So you are not in, like, it's not like, oh, Jordan, how could you not follow this plot? Yeah. There were some things, too, that just, like, some things that didn't work. Not even that they didn't work. They were wrong. Like they were mistakes uh-huh. that it's like, how is this a mistake being made in the third movie? Well, it is, it is, uh, there's, there's a few things where it's like, had the studio allowed Francis more than six weeks to make a script, maybe this would be a better movie. Yeah. You'd think he'd make a less complicated script in six weeks. Yeah. But maybe it's like he throws everything at the wall and then he so doesn't Puzo have time Puzo to like no, revise it. Does not help write this. I believe Puzo is a writer on this oh, as well. Okay. Um, but um, one of them is the culprit. Yeah, I I don't know. I it just I think there's a whole series of reasons why it's not up to the caliber. But I think it's still a really good movie. I think it looks good. It looks good. It looks great. I mean, there are definitely issues with it, but there were um, definite definite moments of like that were very impactful. That we'll get into. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I think that the movie is, it's really good. It's still like a great director making a movie. You know, it's not. I don't know if it's really good. I think it's really good. 
I don't know if I think that, and you're just going to have to accept it. Well, we're going to dive into it, but I, it's just, um, it's reputation almost, I feel like because it's so reviled, it actually makes it a little easier to like because you're expecting it to be like a train wreck, and yeah. it's, it's not a train wreck. No. Like, it's still a cohesive movie, for the most part. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I remember the first time I watched it, I liked it, but I was fairly young. I mean, not fairly young, but I was like just out of high school, so okay. I was just watching anything and liking pretty much everything. And um I was uh well, that's not true. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Um actually, I was in high school. It doesn't matter. But uh I liked it and I didn't know that people didn't like the movie. Okay. And then I heard about it and hadn't seen it since. And so I was hoping that I would still like the movie. Okay. And I do. Okay. I do still like That's it. That's good. But, I mean, I definitely have some problems with it. I think problem number one with a bullet, I think you got to have Robert Duvall in this movie. Yeah. It stinks that he's not in the so movie. get into why he was not in this. So, um, I'll, I'll see if I remember the numbers right. But they said Al Pacino, five million bucks being Godfather 3. He says, yeah. They say, Bobby Duvall, come on in for $1 million. Oh, yeah. And he says, come on. And and there's this interview where he's like, he's like, it seemed like it was a money grab. It seemed like they were just making a third movie to make a third movie. So if they're going to do that, I want a piece of the pie. And I'm not <laughs> going to get paid four times less than Al Pacino when I'm like one of the most important characters. Yeah. So he turned down the movie. That's understandable. And he has said that he... Like he had an interest in being in it, but he also and he he was like the movie's somewhat okay, but he's like most people don't like it, and I kind of don't like it either. So I'm glad I wasn't in the movie. Well, I wonder how much better would have been with him in it. Well, apparently, it was supposed to be about, which I only saw this on this YouTube video I watched that had like his interview, and then like the YouTuber was talking through it and referring to it as the Godfather universe. Um, but uh, he he did say that there was, a, like, I think the original idea was it was supposed to be a falling out between Michael and Tom. And so it'd be like, who who gets to run the Empire? Oh, yeah, I definitely want to see that movie. Like, like, when I heard that, I was like, oh, that's yeah, way that better. Yeah, that sounds so good. <laughs> yeah, and seeing... And, and starting in a place that is simple, no matter yep. how complicated it would have gotten, because it would have. Yeah. Still simple. They're against each other. This movie, I don't really know what who what needs to happen. How so how Michael needs to change. I, yeah. I'm not really sure what's going on character wise. Yeah. Um. Maybe by the end of this, we'll have kind of figured it out. But I, I so um for people who don't know, last December, Francis Ford Coppola came out with a re-edit of this movie called um. The Godfather Coda, The Death of Michael Corleone. And it's like a... I saw one uh, critic dub it as like a recontextualization of the movie. This is not like a different story. It's not like that. But it's just edited slightly different. And that person was saying that it was like a pretty... uh, It was very much an upgrade from part three. And it made some of the stuff that didn't make sense make a lot more sense. Yeah. 
And so it made me really interested in watching that. I don't want to watch it like right away because we yeah. just watched part three. But down the road. But maybe like next time I go, oh, I want to watch The Godfathers. Instead of watching part three, I'd, I'd get that one and see what it's like. Um, but one of the things that the reviewer said, uh, David Ehrlich is the reviewer, he said that like Sofia Coppola's performance works in the edit, edited version, even though it doesn't work in the theatrical, which is... I find that hard to believe unless he, yes. I mean, if he's saying performance, then he means performance. I could potentially see a world where her character makes more sense. Yeah. And maybe but that would be our take. I am not sure. Yeah. Well, he referred to her performance as very modern and he said with this new edit, it makes more sense. Okay. And I was like, that's an interesting reading of calling her performance as modern. <laughs> Cause it just seemed to me not that way, but Kind of criticizing Sophia's uh, 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 performance in this movie is sort of like criticizing Jar Jar Binks in episode one. It's like, we know. <laughs> we almost don't even have to talk about it because it's like, we all know this was a bad decision. But yeah. we, we will talk about it. Did but, you hear who was supposed to get it that I just read in this book? Oh, no. I'll save it. Okay. Well, now I want to switch to you. Can no, I switch? I'm saving to it. Ah, okay. So, um, Okay, I'll I'll jump into some of the Michael stuff. will never go through the production notes faster than right now. <laughs> well, we'll see. Godfather two. See, one of the things I love when we cover a series that's all by one director is we get to talk about the director as a whole more than other series. Um, so after he makes Godfather two, uh, Francis makes Apocalypse Now, uh, and it almost kills him and everyone else. Yeah. And if you want to know more, watch the documentary, Hearts of Darkness. I still it's a great, have not seen it. Yeah, we need to watch it sometime. Yeah. I'd like to watch Apocalypse Now again sometime as well. Yeah. Um, and then he starts getting more experimental. And I agree with this as well. Patrick Willems, our, our hopefully someday friend and guest mm -hmm. on the show someday, hopefully, he marks that as like Godfather 2 was like the end of I'm Francis Ford Coppola, I make classic movies. Now, Apocalypse Now and On is like his experimental phase. He dubbed okay. it. So then you have, he does um, he does Apocalypse Now, and then he does One from the Heart, which is when he goes for broke, and he goes, we have Zoetrope Studios, and what we're going to do is we're going to create a new system of making movies, uh, and he self-finances the movie. Zoetrope is like a four-day work week where actors are under contract, um, and so you'd be working on multiple films and then like every Friday it's a big party. So it was like, we're going to, after, after apocalypse was so hard to make. Now he's like, I don't want to sit just around. Have fun. Yeah. And he's like, I don't want to sit around and like wait for the time of day when I can shoot. It's like, I want to just build my own street and do whatever I want and control the lighting and do, he, he's not interested in realism anymore. Yeah. Which I think is very cool. Um, and understandable. Totally. So when he's a typhoon like, rips through your set and destroys everything. <laughs> oh, I even I forgot about that. Um, and so he's like, "This is what we're gonna do." And there's this crazy interview where someone's like, "What do you like? If this movie doesn't fail, what will happen to your studio?" And he says, "It'll be over. That's it." Doesn't fail? Or I mean, if it does fail. Oh, okay. He's like, "That's it. This oh. is this is what we're gonna do. If this doesn't work, then this is totally failed." Okay. So it 
cost $26 million to yep. make this movie, and it makes $600,000. Yeah. So it fails big time. And then he does The Outsiders. Oh, I don't know if I remembered that. I always forget that. Yeah. Uh, he does a movie called Rumblefish, The Cotton Club, which is also written by Mario Puzo, Peggy Sue Got Married, Gardens of Stone, Tucker, The Man in His Dream, and then he makes Godfather 3. That has him caught up. He makes this big swing where he's like, I don't want Hollywood to, to control my movements, and it doesn't work, so he has to kind of get back into the system. And there's a bit of... You know, it's like you hear Francis talk about Godfather 3, and it seems like he's like, no, we wanted to make this movie, but there does feel like an element of, like, he did need a hit. Yeah. You know? Although Outsiders is a hit. But, I mean, that's... But was like that like a passion? The beginning of the 80s. Okay. Yeah. Now, now we're talking 1990s when God, Godfather yeah, yeah, 3 yeah. comes out. So, you know, he kind of needs something. So he makes Godfather 3. It is the same people that we've been talking yeah. about as far as cinematography all yeah. that music and all that stuff. Um, and the movie makes $65 million theatrical on a $54 million budget. I don't know how that breaks down because okay. that doesn't seem like that's a success. That's okay. only like $11 million over yeah. the budget. But I feel sometimes these old movies, it's like they just make all their money on cable and stuff like that. So I don't know if oh, it's yeah. something like that. Yeah. Or, and it comes out on December 25th. 1990 christmas movie yeah so do you want to switch or do you want me now to go through this movie notes go through it okay so paramount offered to for him to make a third movie after the failure of one from the heart and then after you know he does make more movies in between but then he's like okay i gotta make this movie so probably that, like an open offer pretty much and uh him and puzo were really adamant that they're like Okay, we want to make this movie, sure, but we got to call it The Death of Michael Corleone. And not the, and Godfather Part says, Through. No. Yeah, Paramount's like, no way. That's not happening. Um, and then there was a draft written by Dean Reisner back in 1979 where Michael's son Anthony worked for the CIA and the family was involved with a plot uh, to assassinate a Central American dictator. So that was another mm. version of this. Um, and then another funny thing is many people talk about how Sofia Coppola is like nepotism in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And there's certainly an argument for that. But those same people are not complaining when his dad is making the beautiful score and his sister is doing a great job in the movies. All three of them. Talia. You know, Talia. Yeah. They, they only complain when it's a performance they don't like. And these movies are about family. Francis Ford Coppola, that is his, like, if you're summing up, as Patrick says in his videos, his career, in a word, it's family. And, yeah, well, I mean, that doesn't really stop him because all of the movies you'd mentioned that he'd done leading up to this one, she's in all of those movies. Yeah. The interesting thing in this book on her, so the book I'm referencing is the Biographical Dictionary of Film, and what the person David Thompson has to say about her is she pretty much is just in things because she was on set. He's not saying yeah. that she's un untalented because I'll get into it when I get into it. But like uh, you can't not attribute her success to just happening to be on set because of her dad. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. And I'm not arguing against that. No, I'm just saying for people who do have are saying those things. It's like, well, this isn't the first movie she was in. Yeah. That's his. Well, and, and, and I don't know. Maybe she sucks in those other movies, too. I don't know. I haven't seen him. But she does a great job as the baby in Godfather 1. She's in Godfather 2 as well. Oh, who is she in She's that? on the ship going to Ellis Island. Oh, cool. Um, Yeah, I. it, it is a hard thing, especially because we're artists. You you write. We cast our, chil- I, our children who don't exist in things all the time. But But it is this thing where, you know, sometimes you hear about a musician or a writer or something like that. And it's like, man, this person really is doing it. And they came out of nowhere. And then you like Wikipedia them. And it's like, their dad was a record producer. And it's like, Oh yeah. man, can you do it on your own? If you want to like make it to that level or something like that. I don't know. It's like a little bit of all of those things. It's just interesting hearing like, yeah, that's happened to me a lot. Just hearing about writers who are these big breakout people and it's like oh no they were married to this person doesn't mean that what they did wasn't talented like the book that they yeah. wrote wasn't talented or good but who knows if it would have ever come out if they were married to that person yeah but the interesting thing is every once in a while you do find out that someone is the son or married to this person and they do kind of have a hard time like right a recent example is listen to joe hill's full throttle which is a collection of short stories and he is a very amazing forward about how he struggled to become a writer a published author because who is his dad oh sorry his dad is stephen king yeah (laughs) pretty big effing deal that his dad is stephen king and he struggled a big thing is he did not want to be joe king he wanted to be joe hill and yeah, I think he that's part it of it because he the wanted the merits of his own work. Yeah, which is very admirable. But he got to the point where he was able to publish short stories in major publications like The New Yorker. But he was getting to a point in his life where he's like, maybe I just can't do books. Uh huh. And then of course he now does books, and he's incredible and like one of the best. Well, one of my favorites. But yeah, um, yeah. it's just a, such an interesting. You hear those stories too, and then it's like, so that's that's not as discouraging as other ones that I've heard. That's <laughs> yeah. like that's like inspiring. And and it is it's totally a thing where like for me if it's someone that I like their work I, I'm like oh okay that's cool yeah <laughs> and then yeah. when I don't I'm jealous- like that's it's a jealousy thing yeah, jealousy. at the end of the day but I mean uh, I mean of course nepotism can be used improperly absolutely it happens all the time yeah but um I I don't think calling. I I don't know. Putting Francis in that category is something I wouldn't be comfortable doing. Yeah, in a negative well, it's context too, of because if someone argues back saying like, "Yeah, but he made her like a lead," and it's like, so having his you said his dad do what? The music. That's a huge <laughs> yeah. job. Yeah. So doesn't mean her being a lead in this movie is like means that she's higher up. Yeah. I mean, she might be higher up on the call sheet. Yeah. But he's scoring the whole darn thing. Yeah. All three times. It's crazy. And they're amazing scores. <laughs> Maybe. Oh. Really? You don't think the scores the of these are good? The third one. I don't know if it... I actually don't think it was the actual music, but it was not placed well. The... Okay, I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. Yes. Uh, yeah, That I think that came down to editing. I think so, too. Yeah, there, there does seem... I would say particularly, like, the end of the movie felt a little bit like they had to turn in a print on time. Yeah. Um, Because, like, the opera scene is really cool, but I 
and I think he does do a pretty good job, but it's also like I'm really confused as a viewer. And and there are there's some weird musical moments where the music changes like, you know, three times in a minute kind of a thing. Yeah, that and then there are just several times when two characters are talking about something very important. And I just feel like in the other movies, there wouldn't even be music for that because it's supposed to feel really real. Yeah. yeah. And the, the music would fl- like fade in and then get loud. And it's like, now I feel like I'm kind of watching a soap opera in this scene uh-huh. because of how the music is placed. Yeah. Um. So I got just a couple more notes and then it's all you. Um. I just want to say it was nominated. These are all nominations. Doesn't win at the Academy Awards. It's nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, Andy Garcia, Best Art Direction, Best Cinematography, Best Editing, Best Original Song. Doesn't win any of them. And then after this movie came out and it had such a bad reaction, Coppola uh, and Puzo did discuss, or no, Coppola stated that there was an idea for maybe a fourth film. Okay. Um, but Puzo died before they were able to write it. Okay. And so, um, to answer your question, he did do the writing on this movie okay. as well. And um, they, they had an idea that it would be like a similar narrative to part two, where DiCaprio would reprise his role as a younger... De Niro. I'm sorry. De Niro would... Re- I've switched something. Uh, reprise his role as a younger Vito, and Leonardo DiCaprio would play a younger Sonny Corleone. Okay. Um and then Garcia as Vincent Corleone during the 1980s running the family business. That makes business. sense because Sonny is his dad. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then Garcia, Andy Garcia, has since said that the film was like almost done. Like the script was like almost done. But it didn't happen. And then this movie originally got an NC-17 rating. Why? Uh, because the scene where he stabs the guy with his glasses, yeah, there's like a blood splatter, yeah. and I saw the thing. It's just a blood splatter Did on a mirror. Did they forget that in the last movie, De Niro's, oh no, Pacino, one of them dragged a knife across a man's body. Yeah, it was like it was De Niro. Uh, it that was um, yeah, it was like as violent as that. It just squirted on the mirror, and they gave it an NC-17, so they had to cut that shot. They cut one shot from That's the so movie, funny. and now it's R. Weird stuff. And this movie's like, but I mean, yeah, this one's like the least graphic of all of them. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and that's it. So it's all you, Jordan. I'm, I'm, I want to hear this Sophia thing. Well, we're going to start with Andy Garcia. Ah! So Andy Garcia plays Vincent in Godfather Part Three. You might know him best from Ocean's Eleven. And another Oceans movie. 13. 13. And 12. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. Because 12, he's trying to get him. And then 13, he teams up with him to take on Al Pacino. <gasps> Whoa. Fun. Oh, I didn't even... That's cool. <laughs> that is cool. Um, and Pacino owns a casino, and wow. he owns a casino. That That's, that's very cool. cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, Andy Garcia... Interesting things written about him. This David Thompson is a Andy Garcia fan. Okay. I I, I do like what he says about him. Just as Al Pacino played, because he, okay, so Andy Garcia is from Cuba, from Havana. Oh. But immigrated as a kid to Miami. So just as Pacino played Cuban refugee Tony Montana in Scarface, Andy Garcia brought fresh Cuban blood to the flagging 
Corleone's for The Godfather Part 3. Um, so Garcia's Vincent was a ready whip looking for a masterful hand and the most urgent force of ambition in that autumnal and resigned picture. And Garcia is surely the actor best poised to inherit the force position of the Italian generation. I agree with that. I thought he was very well casted. I think so too, with a small asterisk. Okay. He is also in movies such as, well, Pink Panther 2, um, City Island, for Lover Country, Lake Boat. He is in a... It's, it's interesting. It sounds like... Oh, he's also in the, Untouch- the Untouchables. Yeah, it seems like he has done a lot of Hispanic movies as well throughout his career. Okay. Um, yeah. I know him best from Oceans. Yeah, me too. I was I was excited for for you to go over him because I was like, where did he come from? Like, yeah. yeah. You know, because to me, it's like, I know he's in Godfather 3 and Oceans, and I don't know, really know much outside of that. Yeah. That's still kind of what we landed on. It seems like a lot of his other stuff I ha- I'm not aware of or haven't seen. So. Yeah. But, so this is, I mean, would we consider this like his breakout or did, uh, did he say like this guy considers it his breakout wait okay. when did this movie come out 1990 hmm i mean he's in stuff leading up to it but i mean that does feel like his big thing i'll just say that for myself because i haven't i don't recognize the other movies other movies okay he's in a ridley scott movie in 89 black rain okay i've never heard of that movie I've heard of it because I've looked through Ridley Scott's filmography. Okay, <laughs> And then Sophia Coppola, uh, like we said, Francis Ford Coppola's daughter. Um, so he has a very interesting take on her as well. Okay. As an actress and a director and just as an artist as a whole. Okay, I can't wait. So as you had mentioned a lot of movies that Coppola has done leading up to this one, Sophia was probably in all of them, slash most of them okay. that you listed. Um, and then... Well, m- might I add for a lot of our listeners, I would imagine that you would know of Sofia Coppola less of an actress, but you'd have heard of her movies. Yes. Which you're going to get into. Yes. But she's a director, and that's so what she does. What he says about her is, I don't think we know, and this book is like kind of old to 2021 standards. Yeah, this but came out in like the teens of something the like that. 2000 So teens. he says, I don't think we know enough about Sofia Coppola yet, except to say, look how she's developing. They say she acted, but it's more that she was in certain films just because she was on the locations. So it lists a lot of the movies that she's in, which are Coppola movies. Uh huh. Um, she was critically battered. So then Godfather Part Three. She was critically battered for that job, and her father might have thought about the choice more carefully. But it says a lot for Sofia's stoicism that she weathered the storm and pretty much decided that her acting career was over. So then it talks about her going to high school and then going to Cal Arts and then dropping out and then just being a creative person as a whole. She had something on Comedy Central for a little bit. Really? And then she started like a clothing line. And then the, it says there's no doubt that family ties have helped her for she is nowhere near as articulate, forceful, or ambitious as her father. And he says, or her husband, she was married to Spike Jones for a time oh you told me that before we started and i already forgot (laughs) (laughs) but it says so i think it's notable that already she has moved from filming a book she liked the virgin suicides to thinking up a film of her own lost in translation yeah which is a really good movie lost in translation is like a classic indie movie like you have to watch that one so it says the latter 
Lost in Translation, is her best work yet, though it's a slight, truly modest work, feeling its way toward a sensibility that is not yet not grasped yet, and which might slip away. Yes, she could be screwed up by too much praise, except that I'm not sure she believes in too much. Marie Antoinette was far too precious and a warning sign that history has been eclipsed by decor, which is an interesting note. I've only seen a little bit of that movie. And I'm just curious. Now I really, I mean, I've been wanting to watch the movie yeah, for years. Yeah, we should watch it But with it that now. note, it's like, now I really want to see that movie. Also, Jason Schwartzman's in it. So, which is her cousin. Yeah, that would be her cousin. Whoa. Okay, but the person who was first casted as... So we haven't got to, like, the thing yet that you've been saving for me, right? No, it's who was supposed to play. What's the daughter? Mary. So... Oh, Yeah. She replaced Winona Ryder. Wow. I cannot see Winona Ryder in this movie. I can see Winona Ryder in anything. So I love I love Winona, but she doesn't uh she does not particularly portray an Italian influence to me. Neither does James Kahn. No. That's true. That's a good <laughs> hey, that's a great I think argument. I would think that too, me. but not everyone in this movie is Italian. Yeah, it's true, but I, I, I and James Conn is really good. Oh yeah, in these yeah. movies. No, you, that's a great, a great rebuttal. I, I just cannot picture her in this, by any means. She's just I've never seen her do wrong. Well, th- that's another great rebuttal. So maybe, maybe that should have happened. <laughs> yeah, Winona is a treasure. She is, and, and she doesn't age. No. Uh, wow, that is a bombshell. When you said it though, I was like, "Oh, I think I did hear that somewhere in the notes." But you I probably did. I usually don't. Uh, when when well, it's like always, they always can't be true. Yeah, yeah, and and when there's a list where it's like, you know, these seven actors were gonna be Iron Man or something, it's like, I don't know. Do I need to go over every actor that yeah. was that maybe it, had it a meeting with Kevin Feige at a point. or like returned his text but was never actually considered? Yeah. I don't know. Um, anyway, that's pretty interesting. Should we jump into the movie now? Yeah. Well, I guess before we jump in, we've talked about Sophia a little bit. One thing that is is kind of detrimental to the movie, I, I will say, and this sounds like a Jordan complaint. I think you're going to be proud of me. Is Pacino's hair. Oh, I do kind of have an issue with this hair. It's a yeah. big mistake. Yeah. Because it's kind of like... Is it too modern? It's it's too modern. This is supposed to take place in 1979. This movie takes oh, place in 1979. I always forget that it doesn't take place in the time yeah. that it comes out. And... First of all, the movie does not feel like it's in the seventy nine at, at all. It feels like a it, it feels takes like place an eighties movie. Um, but it, yeah, and uh, so eighty nine. I mean, Al Pacino, he's a guy. I mean, he is like one of the guys. And if there that haircut to me, like it's like he's bringing Al Pacino into the movie, not Michael Corleone. It's also funny today knowing how old he looks now while acting <laughs> yeah, and yeah. things and how he looks so different from this character who is supposed to be like pretty old. Yeah. That's just funny. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's no one's fault or anything. But, but yeah, the hair does not work for me. The hair doesn't work. I do think he's, he's keyed into the performance. Oh, yeah, I he's think great. he did a great job. Cause I was kind of wondering if this would be kind of like a little more of the hoo kind of uh Al Pacino, you know, where he gets no, too hammy. He he's still, he's doing. He's still in the pocket on this yeah. one. Um, but I, I think the hair is kind of, 
it, it's kind of a detrimental effect of this movie. Yeah, it takes you out of the moment. Yeah. And it and again, it just feels like it's Al Pacino, not Michael Corleone. Sure. Um So this movie starts with him writing a letter to his children, who you learn were basically raised by Hey. Hey. Um and he is being honored by the Catholic Church for his charitable contribution. Yep. That much I got. Um, so he's inviting them to the ceremony and this Catholicism wise makes, it's just something I've never seen before. Yeah. And I'm sure it's a real thing because the, the movies are grounded in realism, but it felt very weird. Didn't it? Didn't it? Uh, yeah. Like, just like culturally, I guess it's yeah. just, I'm very unfamiliar with it that he's have, there's this big, like this guy donated so much money. We're going to give him a medal and it's a church. And it's just like, shouldn't we not draw so much well, attention? Yes. Yeah. So to here's, it? here's what I love about this movie. I will go yeah. as far as to say love is for Michael, this movie, I think it's a really interesting exploration of his character because you know he's gone from deciding to join the family to then seeing you know running the family and trying to balance the life trying to get them out of it and now he's at a point where he's literally trying to buy his redemption okay he's yeah. trying to buy his way and he is he's coming toward the end of his life and he's seeing what he's done wrong he's losing his family like completely yeah and even their business is quote unquote legitimate now yeah. And he is, I mean, he's basically making like sacraments to the Holy Roman Church, paying them so that he can be forgiven. Yeah. And but then I it mean, gets confusing. It does get confusing. But, but what but I, that is a great, that's great. Yeah. And, and another thing, you know, we talked about in the first movie how it's like this turning point of when gangsters started worrying about drugs. Okay. And then in the second movie, it talks about like the politician, the political yeah. side of the gangsters. And then this movie is talking about the corruption of the Catholic the Church. Oh, yeah. And that I'm like, yeah, baby. Yeah. But it does feel like this movie, even though it's very long, it almost feels like there's like 20 minutes we still need to fully understand the story. And I think to develop Andy Garcia's character a little bit better. Okay. Which I, will I, get I into do as agree we with go. that. No, I do agree with that. I think that his character. I really like his character. I think it is uh, well casted. Uh huh. It gets to a point though later in the movie where it's like, has he earned this though? I don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure. Well, that that was what was confusing for me because later in the movie, Michael gives him the family. He and he becomes the Don. Yeah. Um, D-O-N, not D-A-W-N. And uh, the way that's done is kind of like so fast that like yeah. I thought he was just trying to get into the family and be in the business. And then he's like, okay. And they're like, hello, Don. Hello, Don. And I was like, whoa, this guy's been hanging out with Michael for like weeks. Yeah. And he's now going to be the the Corleone. Yeah, it's weird. It, it needed like a couple more scenes or like him to do something. Go, for Michael. go to Italy and hiding and you know, like how, what Michael did, yeah. like, like he, I guess there there felt like there was no grand gesture. And I guess if you had to say any of them, he did go undercover with the other family for a time. Yeah. And but, he did kill by, the Joey, that guy, Joey. 
Who's so that? I think that's his grand gesture. Oh yeah, but not only that, but but the so he does that, but it seems like there is no I the whole Joey thing doesn't make sense to me. But then even when he goes undercover with that other family, yeah, it's like by the when he does that, we lose him for like a good twenty minutes. Uh huh. Therefore, I don't know what he's doing, even though they talk about it. But there, I don't really know what's going on. Yep. And, and see, that's very, why there's I'm... a lot that happens not on screen. And and that's that's why I'm kind of now interested in seeing this other cut because it's like yeah. maybe some of that, even, maybe even some of the pacing just makes it so it's like oh I get it now sure you know like why he would be the Don, um, but yeah so there's this whole celebration they're celebrating that Michael gave the church one hundred million dollars I think it, yes later yes. in the movie it's yes more. yes yes one hundred million dollars <laughs> and Jordan and I were like whoa <laughs> <laughs> the the Las Vegas was good to this family. Yeah. And um, so like the last two movies, this movie starts with a celebration of some kind and it's a, it's the first act, you know? Yeah. Um, and we meet his children. They're grown up. Yep. Um, they, it, it, so if like Kay raised them, but they're now like adults. So that you know, they're deciding if they want a relationship with their father or not. So one of the first things, and we'll have probably jump around this whole part a lot, but his son, so he, Michael is trying to make his son a lawyer. Yeah. But his son wants to drop out because he's passionate about music. Yeah. And Kay is there and they're still divorced and they don't like each other. And she is there to like protect her son and his interests. And like basically forces Michael to be okay with it. Yep. That was interesting to me. Yeah. And, and is that when she says that, uh, I, I dread, I dread you? you. Yeah. Yeah, because Pacino, I mean, not Pacino, I mean, Corleone, this this whole movie, he is trying in his messed up way. He is trying to like, he's kind of like, it's like he has a list of his family and he's like, I have to make things right with all these people. Yeah. And like with Kay, he's really trying to make things right. I mean, he's not doing enough. You know what I mean? And and a lot of it is like, like what can he do to make her forgive him? I, I don't like... I don't think he can do anything. Yeah. Besides, I like what he did. You know, she resents him for getting an abor- an abortion because she felt like he forced her to get an abortion because of the situation she's in. Yeah. How can anyone ever forgive someone else for that kind of resentment? Yeah. I don't know. So, but he is trying. Yeah. So he's trying to reconnect and like. He's he's struggling. Like even with his son, it's he doesn't want him to like reject him. He just knows better, you yeah. know. Um, but of course, he will let him do the music thing, and he's happy with it later. And it sounds like Mary is involved in the family business as much as a woman can be. Yeah, in this family. But it sounds like that money donated specifically to an area to the Corleone area of Sicily, I think. I don't know something with there with probably with the churches the, like a trust. Fund but it sounds thing. like she's like involved in that. Yeah, she's supposed to like head it up. He, yeah, he wants to give it to her and Anthony, but I think Anthony's like, no, I don't want to ever be involved in business with yeah. you in any way. And what's interesting about that moment is it's like I wonder what Kay has been telling them. Oh, I know. I I love that reading through the lines. Yeah, because like Anthony is completely against Michael. Yeah. And Mary and is like, she I like feel like I worships her father. Yeah, like know? this is lost years. Yes, I want to be with you. Yeah. So, 
We have all of that. We also meet Vincent. So he is the bastard child of Sonny. Of Sonny. Yes. And that's how he's referred to. Uh-huh. So he's illegitimate. He wants to be part of this business, but he's also hot headed. And he is in the business, uh-huh. but not very high up. Yeah, right? he's he's think he's, the, he's under Joey. Yeah. Um, who is the guy from Criminal Minds. Yeah. Um, he's under him. And he doesn't feel that Joey is running, like, uh, New York well. Yeah. Because he's, like, the dawn of New York. And so um, he's... And and he's even saying that, like, behind your back, this guy's saying, like, F you. And, yeah. like, F Michael Corleone. And that's a great scene when he's sitting there and the th- he's, like, trying to make them make peace. And he's, like... Michael says, you know, you come to me. What am I supposed to do? Like, you hate him. You hate him. And then he says, he says, F you behind your back. And then Michael turns to him and he goes, well, I couldn't. He says something like, I couldn't imagine that you'd say something like that because you would know what would happen to you if you were saying Uh something like Uh that. uh And it's this great moment where the guy's like, oh, uh, oh, of course. But, you know, in his mind, he's like, oh, no. Yeah. (laughs) Michael just laid down the law. And I need to straighten up. Reminds me of the Sopranos episode we just watched. It, it does. <laughs> where sometimes it does come down to the where these two guys are fighting because one of them didn't accept someone's invitation to get a drink. Obviously, tip of the iceberg about what's really going on. Yeah. But it's like almost feels like children. Yeah. Are fighting and daddy has to make a makeup. Yeah. Kind of thing. Although I'm still with Tony Soprano on that one. Everyone should be with Tony on that one. <laughs> um, so then uh, Mary is talking to Vinny and... Very flirtatious. Yeah, and, and I think like to key in on the performance a little bit, it's just like... It, it feels like every line delivery is kind of the same. I it think that's what doesn't like work. It feels like she's acting. And Not I, only that, what does not help her performance is it is one of the worst dubbing... I have ever heard yes, in a movie, it really is. which is confusing that it's this bad. Yeah, for it is 90. So bad. So it makes her performance feel even worse. Yeah, because, I mean, I think the first, like, hour of the movie, like, almost all of her lines are dubbed. Oh, they're awful. And then some of the later ones, they're not, and they already you are like, oh, this is much better. Every time, she, But it's like every time she talks, I just can't take it. Yeah. Because it sounds so bad. But then there's this, so... Throughout the movie, Mary and Vincent fall in love with each other. Newsflash, they're first cousins. Yeah. And and we had to like, be- before they even mentioned it in the movie, we got to a point where it's like, okay, but if that's Sonny's son, she's Michael's daughter. Well, They're first cousins. And we were like, are they going to talk about that? Because that's not legal. <laughs> and it's, yeah, that's not good. And all they kept saying through the movie was, that's dangerous. But- yeah, and th- what and does that mean? And there's a point where Kay is talking to Michael, and she's like, "You know, Mary like loves Vincent, but you're not gonna let them be together, are you?" Is like the implication of the statement she's making. And I'm like, "Mom, why are you okay with first cousins getting it on?" I, I, it's weird because someone's saying it's dangerous. Is like, is it dangerous because of what they're like? Because the incestual, they, like, re- like, yeah. Or are you saying it's dangerous because he's involved in the empire which is probably what they mean that's what they mean i yeah. think and then but mary sh- doesn't shouldn't be but they do at one point say it's just wrong 
It's yeah, but cousin. it's it's very much. But the danger like, part is superseding that it is just wrong. Yeah. So, uh, like when the movie started, kind of dealing with this cousin stuff, you kind of were were saying to me like, "What? Wait, this is weird. What is this movie saying?" And I said, "No, no, no. I don't think we're supposed to think that this is okay." Yeah. And then as the movie went on, I was like, "I guess it never really does say that it's wrong. Uh, not that the movie has to." But it w- it did feel like weird, it, yeah. and, and again, it felt like there was a scene missing or something that yeah. that made you like, oh, this is really bad. And we're just trying to think: Did Arrested Development ever make a joke about this movie? <laughs> no. So yeah, that was strange, uh, and and yeah. So what else happens in the the celebration? Well, Johnny Fontaine shows up, Who's the the Johnny singer Fontaine? from the first movie, yeah, which was fun. Yeah. Oh, I think this is interesting. So Talia, uh, Connie, Michael's sister, uh-huh. is like she's Mama Corleone. She is the matriarch of the Corleone family. She is take it. She took that role up in the last movie at the end. Yeah. Which was very interesting because yeah. leading up to that, her character is well. One, she was in a terribly abusive relationship in the first movie, and then in the second movie, it's insinuated that she has children, but she's not really a mom. So she's been like, yeah shirking those types of responsibilities. I mean, kind of a disgrace to the family is how she was portrayed. And then by the end of that, she is now like, I am Mama Corleone. Yeah. And it's interesting because it feels like she is more involved than Mama Corleone was. And the yeah, first, she's like pushing Vincent to like get like out there and do way stuff. more involved than I, and I think you can tell Michael doesn't really appreciate no. that, but he does. He does include her in conversations. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, I think I think her whole character arc through all three is really fascinating. Yeah, and um, yeah, um, another another thing that kind of struck me at the beginning, like when the wedding cake or not the celebration cake comes out and we see Kay and stuff like that, it just took me back like like a memory to the first movie when Kay and Michael are sitting together at the first time we see them together. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, this is so tragic. Yeah. Like, their lives have been so tragic. Their life together and what they could have had together yeah. versus what they got together. Totally. And, and like, that that just made what, me what feel... What they do later in the movie with their relationship is, like, one of my favorite parts of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, I don't know... I missed it, but I guess there's one line of dialogue that explains, like, Tom died. Yeah, so I didn't they, hear they that. say so the, his son it. is a priest uh-huh. who goes to Rome, and I knew it was him because they said so and so Hagen, and I just remembered that it's Tom Hagen. Oh, t- so Tom's son was that priest? Yes. So I think Tom's son is introduced to someone, and his mom as well is introduced, uh-huh. and that's when they mentioned that he died, or around oh, that time. Oh, okay. And his his son became a priest, and he goes throughout this movie. He goes to the Vatican and. That's really yeah. the only Hagen mention. Well, and and that's another one of those things that that you see sometimes with with movies and series where, like, they kill off a character or the way they write them out doesn't really justify the explanation. Uh huh. You know, so like one sentence of dialogue for this character. Well, they it's also like, say that he was the best lawyer. They 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 say something yeah. else about him being like a really good lawyer. I guess. Yeah. I, I still know what you're saying, though. But, you know, like, I've, you can, you, I can't think of an example, but there are movies where people have pulled that off. 
Uh-huh. You know? Um, even I mean, this is very comedic, but like how they how Pierce I thought, I just left, I was thinking of. left community because yeah. Chevy Chase was really hard to work with. And the way they handled that, more so than the way they handled the other characters leaving, that one like really worked, I thought. I think it's like one of the few times they fully embraced the character leaving because there's a whole episode dedicated to it and he's not even in the episode. Yeah. And where they're reading a, his will. Yeah, and it's a yeah. really funny episode when when it's so hard to embrace it. It's, it's just, it is easier to do the one line. Yeah, and just say character killed, we don't have to deal with it. Yeah. So um but yeah, sometimes that's not pulled off. I don't think it was pulled off for this one. Yeah. Um, but again, I want to say right now I'm like really tracking with the movie and I'm like, okay, I like this a lot. I like this a lot. Um, and so who's the dude with the cane? Uh, he is also a Don. He's also in charge. I think he's another family. Yeah, I think so. Let me look up the family name. Okay. He is Don. Altobello. So he is another family because that is who Vincent goes undercover to like infiltrate. Yeah. But they're so in peace together. They're in peace together right now. But by the, by that part of the movie, I'm just like, when did this guy become bad? I'm just so lost. Yeah. But at that point, at this point in the movie, one, the actor is the campiest actor I've seen in a long time. The, the, it just, I don't get it. I, I don't get if he's good or bad. I can't <laughs> okay. figure it out. And it's also one of the worst on-screen deaths I've ever seen. The on-screen death was crazy. But I just am not sure if he was good or not. I liked his performance. It was okay. just the death was like, whoa. Was that was bad. like, what are we watching The Dark Knight Rises here with that death? <laughs> um, yeah, the death was strange. Because there's this part where he's eating cannolis at an opera house that Talia Shire gives him. And first of all, if you're going to give me... If you're going to poison me, put them in cannolis, baby, and I'll eat them, even if you tell me they're poison. Man, those cannolis okay. looked good, didn't they? Yeah, they did. And by now, we've probably come back from our trip on the East Coast. With hopefully minimum of three cannolis consumed each. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think when we first go there, we might just have to like, grab like four total. And Four? No, that would be cool. Not each, but four. No, and I know, I know, I know. We can eat one, and then as we're driving, when we get hungry, we can eat a second one. Oh, gosh. They're just the best. I mean, honestly, we could just get like a dozen or something and just have them for like several days. No, they days. wouldn't last that long. They wouldn't? Okay. No. So, Freshness-wise, it wouldn't last. Okay. Um, I'm up for getting two each, though. Yeah, I think we'll And then have when to. we come back, two more. <laughs> yeah. And then on our way out of Boston, two when we more. go to New York. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to get so sick. Oh, well. They're, they, yeah, they're like, you guys seem really sick. Do you have COVID? No, we had cannolis. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. Just a shout out. Mike's Pastry specific cannolis. Yeah. In Boston. Boston. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he, he, he eats them and he's eating them the whole performance. And the way he's eating them to her is also like, okay, buddy, <laughs> cool it. <laughs> Slow down. And, and it, it was also just like kind of strange how they filmed like the binoculars and tall like that whole it was, it was not great it like, was just not great yeah um and when he dies he he like puts his head down and he's holding a cannoli and he puts his head down and his hand is still holding the cannoli while he, you can the tell that thing to fall the life has gone from him and then he kind of like drops his arm <laughs> it's just very it's weird. so bad <laughs> um 
Okay, so... Oh, and that... Yeah, okay. So Vincent wants to doesn't want to work with Joey, bites Joey's ear, and then Joey sends guys to attack Vincent in Vincent's house. So... Then, but, but after he attacks Joey, that's when Michael offers him a job, like hang around with me for a little bit. Yeah. End of that. So then Vincent takes home one of the reporters. I thought that was also interesting. There were a ton of reporters like yeah. press yeah. at this event, but they were only allowed to stay in a certain area and there were press kits. And that's like all the only questions that they were willing to answer. Yeah. Very interesting. But he takes home one of the reporters to his apartment and they he get two guys break in to kill him and he kills both of them pretty brutal yeah that part was pretty intense and it was like whoa yeah and, and the the one guy has the girl that he was with and he's a be- like he's like starting to, to cut her, her and throat. the guy's like i don't care vincent's like i don't care. she doesn't mean anything to me and yeah. then he shoots the guy that he has and the then the guy who's holding the knife is like whoa 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 and then he and then he says, who sent you? The guy says, Joey. And then he shoots him immediately. Right. That was great. Yeah. Loved that. Um, and then they're working with the church. They're now legitimate. Um, but why? Well, because okay, they've so, sold off all the casinos and so stuff. So they sold off all the casinos. But then so shortly after, so after that, uh, Michael is meeting with a cardinal, a priest. Yeah. Is it a cardinal? Well, I don't know. I don't understand. Uh, yeah, I don't ranks. really understand how it works. But it, it, he is—he's not just a priest at a church. He is like yeah. high up, um, but he's like stationed in New York. This Catholic cardinal priest. Of some I kind. think he's like the banker of the Vatican because later they he say the so banker went York, missing, and and oh. then it cuts to him. So okay. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I don't understand how the Vatican works. We've been to the Vatican. Doesn't mean we know how it works. But it was confusing. But he, Michael meets with him and this guy is like telling him that he needs $600 million. Like, like he yeah, needs Yeah, to like help. pay off the, the Vatican. Which that was confusing to me. I think because of the, the, the this stuff was so big. Yeah. And I, I understand so little of it, what it, how it actually works. It's like the Vatican needs a gangster to bail that, them well, out yeah the uh, vatican well and here's that, he, that millions of people give their money to yeah millions of people potentially billion yeah or more go ahead billions a lot uh i what i love about this though even though it is really confusing and i can't be like jordan here's exactly how it breaks down yeah but what i really love is how because there's even that line later where he's like um, he says something like, I wanted to find the people like that were not corrupt anymore. And the higher I went, it was still just as corrupt. Like when he gets to men of God, they're still corrupt. He was telling Michael that? No, I think Michael says that to someone else. Sorry, he says yeah. a line like that. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't remember exactly what it is, but that's like the effect of the line. And it's just cool that we're, I mean, it's, it feels like it's probably more true than you'd hope. Um, I mean, not like the Catholic Church has, like, the best track record. Well, yeah. But um, it is just seeing how, like, corruption and money run everything. 
Okay. You know, and and we've seen it in politics in this series, just in the day-to-day, in the streets, and then now we're seeing it in, like, the one place that it should have no part in. Well, what's interesting about that is if, you know, character-wise, Michael is trying to, like, absolve himself to, to, like, put, like, he has all this weight on his shoulders of all the things he's done bad. Yeah. And he is realizing that he is supposed to help the Catholic church and it doesn't seem like it's all above board. Yeah. So it's like, not even that can absolve him. Like, yeah. like what he has yeah. been raised to believe. Oh yeah. Like that, that is the, un- like the church is untouchable and he's learned that it's not. Yeah. I just don't know if it was executed well. Yeah. It's uh, I, I made a joke when we were watching it. And if you've seen the big short, you understand this joke where I said, okay, we need a Margot Robbie in a bathtub scene now. Totally. Because so, yeah. in, in the big short, if you haven't seen, the movie cuts to certain celebrities throughout the movie, and one of them is Margot Robbie in a bathtub, and she's like, so here's the deal. We, you don't know what this means, this housing market thing, so I'm going to explain it to you. And she's like looking at the camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Breaking the fourth wall yeah. stuff. So the, this guy asked Michael to help him. $600 million is what he needs. And I guess Michael's like, sure, but obviously he can't just like straight up give him that money. So the idea is he's going to like take over this Vatican business. Yeah, they have this company called Immobiliere. That didn't make sense to me. Well, what what didn't help is I don't think they ever specified what that company was. That's a big issue. Yeah. Well, if anything, it's probably just some corporation that has its hands in a million different things. Yeah. It, well, it, yeah, so I don't know what it was. It's probably something that like manages hedge funds or something strange that I have no understanding. But basically, of. the the way that Michael can help them is by like, like them ex- like the Vatican accepts the Corleone family's help. Yeah, and because it's not just because it's like this institution, they have to like all agree on it. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Too, too big. Too high concept. I still don't under, yeah. I don't I still don't quite understand it. Uh, and and I think I think that's fine. I it's like I agree and disagree with you. I know because I, yeah. I kind of like all of this stuff, but I, I just also don't think it was it was explained or written well. Yeah, but I'm just thinking of like all the Cuba stuff in part two and how I was pretty confused about a lot of that stuff too. But I think what helped in that is there was like Hyman Roth as a character. You were able to attach yourself to him, even though yes. you didn't understand maybe what was happening in Cuba. Yes, and this didn't really have a person. Yeah, it was just the. Vatican. I, well, I th- I think that Pope maybe comes in a little too late because when he yeah, that's shows true. up, that's true. I was like, "Who's this guy?" I know he was good. He was really good, but um, th- this movie is hardest to talk about than the others because I'm already like, "Wait, did we talk about?" So, Which meetings and let's get to we're probably skipping a crap ton, but let's get to uh, Michael meeting with all of his guys in that skyscraper. Yeah, great scene to to give them all. Basically, all of the ga- all of the casinos are done, and he gives them all of the last money that they're owed. Yep, and they're all like, "Wow, this is amazing." Yeah, and he doesn't give Joey a, a penny. And why? Because he, he never invested. I think Joey never owned any of the casinos, yeah. and Joey's always been like, I don't know why. <laughs> well, that's the I'm, only thing I could think of, because he says this is for all everyone who's been a shareholder and has, has invested in one of the casinos. 
this is what you've earned yeah. over time. So I just have to assume that that means Joey never did. However, he was hired to be, as we know, like the face of everything. Cause he's always like yeah. in the spotlight, in the press doing stuff like kind of representing the businesses. Yeah. But he never owned anything. So he gets shortchanged. I, th- I think that's, that's what I'm going, going with. I mean, half the thing, you know, this is the same thing when I watch Sopranos. Um, and this movie is definitely more uh, uh, complicated than the other two Godfathers. But and, and same with Goodfellas. I throw Goodfellas in there, too, where it's like there's a certain point where the plot, I just have to I have to grasp onto, like, characters and just, like, oh, this room was just murdered by all these people. Okay, that guy's... Like, I kind of have to simplify it and go, like, bad guy, good guy, okay. The issue, though, is that's such a fine line. It and really it, is. It, it really did is. did not work. It didn't make sense to me. So then yeah, there's a helicopter that flies up to the building and shoots every guns everyone down. Besides, Michael makes it out. But who was that? That was Joey. So he just was going to do that either way? I think if he didn't get what he thought he was owed, he was going to do that. And if he did, he was going to radio them and say, don't do it. That's oh. what I, that's the impression I got. Okay. Um, and I like this scene, you know, when I was watching the making of, they they it was just great because they were talking about francis and they were like when we were getting ready to do this scene francis was like what if we never see the helicopter and it's just the suggestion of the helicopter and the sound and the lights and stuff like that and i was like cool that's good filmmaking right there i love that because the whole time you're just in the room it's just getting machine gunned down you hear it but you don't actually see it and it's like a little bit scarier that way because you don't really know what's happening. It's more well, chaotic. let me be honest. <laughs> it made so little sense to me that I don't care about what you just said. <laughs> okay. I don't understand the artistry in it because it was so... And, and maybe I'm just at a point where the movie's lost me at this point uh-huh. in, in specifics. Yeah. Where, yes, I know this Joey guy is bad. Uh-huh. He already tried to kill Vincent. And he's he's a disgruntled employee. Okay. But he had a helicopter ready at the at the press of a button yeah. to come kill all these people? Yeah. I don't know why. That actually doesn't not make sense based on the other movies. Yeah. Because that's happened in other movies. But it just... I don't know why. But it doesn't work for me. And that for that reason, I'm backing out. <laughs> yeah no i i i think it's a great scene but that's okay we can disagree on that um i don't know i don't know why it just is yeah. not computing in my brain yeah um that's okay uh, uh text text one podcast over text one for yes and uh text two for no and <laughs> let us know what you think um so that happens and i think i'm extra confused about it all because of the Vatican stuff. So you have all the Vatican stuff going on, and then you have this Joey dude going on. So yeah. it's two different things that are unrelated. Yeah. And, and the whole time, too. So it's like, yes, it's confusing. The other movies are kind of confusing. Yeah. Like it's, I'm okay with a level of confusion. But I don't understand what's going on with Michael at this point in the movie. Well, I, I so I'm, I'm not disputing you, but yeah. what is going on with him, from what I gather, is that he is just trying to like officially end like the, the illegitimate elite. side of the company and leave and okay. no longer have the gangster crime family. That is okay. what he is trying to do. Okay. And he 
on a character like a deeper level, he's trying to find peace and he's trying to reconnect with his family. Okay. And I think when you grasp onto those ideas, I think the movie is easier to follow so in it that does, regard. So it does it so Joey does represent the gangster side of all of it. Yeah. Because Michael's trying to get out of this in a, in a legitimate way. Uh-huh. And he, it, you know, with them getting gunned down is proof that he can't, he can never escape it. He can never escape it in his real life. And then he also can't escape it in his uh, morality yep. or his conscience. So that does make sense to me on that level. Yeah. That Joey does represent that. And, and I was just thinking to jump way ahead, but, I, but I think what's really cool about the ending of the movie is that he finally accepts his son for who his son is. Mm-hmm. He's with Kay, he's with his daughter, and it's like, it like when he's watching the opera, it feels like he is truly happy yeah. in a way. Yeah. And even in that, he, Talia has like is killing someone, and yeah. I don't know if Michael ordered that or not. I don't think he did. I th- Oh, I think Vincent ordered That's it. That's I know. Um, okay. And then even when he is able to like find peace... His, the sins of his past still catch up to him because then Mary gets killed. Yeah. So it's like the yeah. whole movie, he's striving to find something. The moment he gets it, he loses it immediately. Which is an interesting thing as a, for the whole character arc like you, that you're talking about. Yeah. Because when we, he was introduced to us, he wanted no part in it. Yeah. And by the end of his story, he's trying to get out of it. And another thing that I think is like very telling about the movie is when we the last scene of the movie it shows michael he's sitting and he's completely alone no one else is around him and then he keels over and dies okay so he dies alone no family nothing he has nothing okay and 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 that's why i feel like maybe the edit works a little bit better because i think all those things are in the movie yeah but a lot of it is like the execution or or like you know, you're like, wait, what is what do the Catholic Church have to do with the you know? But um I do think like his character arc I think is pretty strong in this movie. Yeah, I just think all the complicated stuff muddies it for me. Yeah. But talking about it, it makes sense. Yeah. Um But it, it is just this tragic thing. And and I like thinking about, you know, they wanted to call this movie the death of Michael Corleone. But when you see his makeup, the last shot of the movie it looks like he's way older than the opera scene. Yeah. And so I kind of thought about that, and I thought, like, like the death of Michael Corleone is not his physical death. Uh-huh. It's, it's his spiritual and familial death that happens in this movie. Yeah. And his, you, um, you don't even need that last scene in a lot of ways. Uh-huh. And it can still be the death of Michael Corleone because he's lost everything. Yeah. And that's why I like the movie. (laughs) That's interesting for sure. So then after this, Vincent is like fuming to get Joey killed to which Michael is like, no, like don't, don't say he basically, he says something similar that, um, Marlon Brando tells Sonny funny enough in the first movie when Uh Sonny speaks out of turn and Marlon Brando says like, don't ever talk. Don't ever like reveal your feelings to the right yeah, person. Yeah. And so at this point, don't ever movie, speak your mind outside of the family, speak your mind. So, so Vincent, he's speaking his mind within the family, but, but it is like, no, it, it's not warranted 
Uh-huh. And no one's asking him. It's not his choice. Therefore, he needs to keep his mouth shut until he's told to do something. Yep. But all he wants to do is do, which is just like Sonny. Yeah. And I, I th- so that I like that he is similar in his way to his father and that like that and how Michael keeps telling him, shut up. No, like screaming at him. You need to calm down. Yeah. And Vincent like can hardly handle it. Yeah. I like all that stuff. And then, um, Michael has a diabetic stroke around this time uh-huh. um, and is out of commission for a Every while. Every time I'm out, they pull me back in. Yes. And so he, while he's in the hospital, uh, Tally, Connie, Vincent, and another guy, like yeah. his right-hand man, <laughs> yeah. they all decide without Michael to assassinate Joey. Yeah. And, and what's, I think what's really interesting, speaking to your point earlier about Connie... Uh, she tells Vincent, she's like, you need to take care of this. Like, do it. Yeah. She, like, orders the hit. Yeah. Pretty much. And it's interesting, because it's like, can she do that? And I think she can't. Okay. And so, I like, that's why it's interesting, you know? But, like, who's gonna say no? When, when all three of them want it. Yeah. And so then there's the scene, which is, like, reminiscent of the Dawn in the 1920s when Vito comes to uh, Italy, who's like walking no, through the street. I'm sorry, comes to New York and he's, and Joey is like walking through the streets just like that Don and people are saying like, Hey, Hey. And then he gets distracted for a while. And I, again, on the, I like the filming of this scene a lot because we, we keep cutting to like a police officer and then like chaos starts happening. And I was like, why did they cut to this police officer? I don't officer? think I even thought about that. Yeah. I, I was just like, what does he have to do with this? Like he's got to have something to do with it. And then it cuts to the police officer and it's actually Vincent on Mm -hmm. a mounted, uh, uh, he's on a horse Mm -hmm. and he guns down Joey, shoots him three times. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. Um, (laughs) and, um, so So he hits hits them. (laughs) He whacks Joey. Yeah. And Michael, when Michael finds out about this, he's very unhappy. Yeah. Does not agree with their decision. And he basically makes all three of them admit that it was wrong. And, <sighs> and Connie was like her, Talia Shire's acting was so good in that moment. Yeah. She was trying so hard not to admit that she understood, understands why it was wrong. Yeah. It's just good. Yeah. And, um, then, so throughout, then we have a couple more scenes. Like there's this scene where, um, uh, Mary visits Vincent as he's cooking. Mm. And Noki? What? Noki? Oh, yes. And um, it's just, I think, another detrimental thing to this movie is there is, like, less than 0% chemistry between Andy Garcia yeah, and Sophia Coppola. Yeah, there's not Coppola. much. I mean, it is, like... Because I think Andy does a great performance in the movie, but every scene with her made me question if he was good in the movie. And yeah. I'm, I'm not like it felt very weird because it was like my line, my line, hello, da 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 da, my line, and then his line, hey, this this this, and they like, they the conversations didn't, they were not delivered realistically. It was very strange. And, and maybe like something that's just not well written in general. And it's it's interesting because this is like, it's like a movie full of men because that's what the mafia is. This is just full of men. Yeah. It's like surprising that Connie has this much of a role within the mafia. But 
married like doesn't do anything therefore it's hard to like go through this with her and understand what she's going through because in the first movie with Kay, we understand what she's going through she yeah. loves this man she's fallen in love with this man who she understands has t- ties to this italian american mafia thing but he has told her that he doesn't want that yeah and then he goes against what she said what what, what she believed he said like like that whole development's mm-hmm. very interesting but in this movie with Mary, I just, like, don't know what she wants other than Vincent, which is just like, okay, so she's motivated by a man. Yeah. Boring. Well, I, I think it's especially boring Well, I'm, I, when... should, I shouldn't say boring because basically Kay was in the first one. Yeah. But, but it was a more complex and interesting way. Yeah. It didn't just feel like she's making all her decisions based on Michael. Yeah. But I, I in, in this movie, I think it doesn't help the movie that at no point as a viewer... You knowing that they're first cousins, are you like, man, I wish they could be together. The whole movie, you're yeah, like... Yeah, it just feels weird. You're like, yeah, Michael's right. It's but weird it's that you guys are too. dating. So like, <laughs> like she, she wants to be involved in the family, and we get to know enough that she's involved of like this foundation that's been set up, uh-huh. but we don't actually see her do any work. Yeah. Because there's so much going on. Right. But there's like no time. Right. But it's just like, I don't really know what I need to think about her. Because like you said, yeah, I, don't I don't think I really want her yeah. to be with Vincent. I, I, think, I think the movie's unclear with how you should view their relationship. And I, I think it's unclear on how you should view, view Mary. And I don't think that was intentional. That, okay. it, that it was supposed to be unclear. Yeah, because there's that part when she is with Vincent and she is talking about like, she basically asks him, did my father kill Sonny? Uh-huh. And he says no. And it, so it's like, okay, so she's curious about some of these secret family secrets. Uh, she says, did he kill Fredo? I thought she said Sonny. No. Oh, okay. Whatever. But she's curious. Because Sonny, they all know it was the other gang that that's shot true, down Sonny. That's Sunny. true. But um, she's curious about these family secrets. Uh-huh. And I just wish there was a little more time spent on her trying to learn more about things yeah, yeah. that her mother was always lied to. That might have been more interesting. Oh, that is, that's a great fix jordan oh, but i don't know man. if there's enough time for that yeah well you could maybe cut some of the papal stuff yeah um isn't that what it's called the papal i don't know anyway uh so let's see uh the sun so there's a meeting in sicily so we're in sicily also, for a while they also go to rome at one point though they go to rome yeah and and i they finally like uh are, are able to get the immobiliary deal to go through but it doesn't seem to be going well. Well, it has something to do with the Pope transfer. I mean, the, Pope, I, the current Pope is like on his deathbed. So they're trying to politically like Michael meets with this guy who he wants to be the Pope. Yeah. Kind of. Well, and I, I, I think, I think there's something, and I didn't read too much when I was researching on this, but I think there's also some confusion because I think some of the Pope stuff is like historical. So I think yeah. that made it extra confusing for some people. Yeah. Because I think that the, I'm not sure. I, I'm really not sure about this, but I think the, uh, when he becomes the Pope, the guy who breaks open the stone. Yeah. Um, I think that was like a real person in history. Oh, really? Who died quickly. I think. And maybe I should cut this out of the episode because I don't know. I just started reading that when I was researching the movie, and I was like, I don't have the capacity well, this, this to is, like learn the history this of the, is the Catholic interesting Church. Thing about it. So, <laughs> us being people who are not very familiar with how the Catholic Vatican Church works, yeah, 
does that hinder the movie? Because I th- it feels like you need to know more than a basic understanding. And maybe that's how less little I do know about it. Maybe this is basic. And it's not, because like, that's a huge complaint on the movie. So Oh, cool. Because that, yeah. I do feel like that is, I agree with that. I think it's a pretty big hindrance because you have no idea what's going on. Yeah. Because like, like a decision gets made and you're like, was that good? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um. Yeah, I'll, I think I'll have to I'll have to look that up now. Now now I'm curious. I wasn't curious before we watched the movie when I was making the notes because I didn't realize how much it would play into the movie. That being said, though, that scene with that guy was one of the best scenes in the movie. Yeah, uh, maybe the best. Yeah. Tell talk about it, baby. So he goes to meet with this guy who eventually becomes the pope in this movie um and he is meeting with him for those political reasons yeah. but it ends up becoming very personal so michael is kind of talking to him about this stuff but the guy can tell that he has a heavy heart yeah and he says like why don't you confess and michael's like i haven't done that in like 30 years that we got no time and of course this guy is like let's make some time for this. Like this is more important to you and to me than this whole political business, which is great. So he takes him to this area in the courtyard. And I think it's sweet that he is like, this is where many of the other priests confess to me. It's so it's just very out in the open. And what's great is they shoot it behind pillars looking into the courtyard when he starts confessing. So it looks very intimate. Yeah. And so it's like we're seeing into what's happening instead of like we're with the characters. It's like we shouldn't be hearing this. Well, like a confessional, like it's anonymous. Yeah. Great. Great. Yeah. Keep going. So he, Michael is telling him that he has killed people. He has ordered people to kill people. He has put people and his family in harm's like he he has done a very bad things throughout his life yeah and i betrayed my wife i betrayed my family i betrayed my all this stuff yeah. and he becomes emotional fast who wouldn't yeah i'm getting emotional i was getting emotional just watching al pacino get yeah. emotional because he says he's so, beyond redemption yeah and it was one of the best lines of the whole movie is when the the priest or this this guy tells him um you know of course you were forgiven of all these things and you're absolved of them, but you don't believe in it. You don't believe that you can be, therefore you're not going to stop your ways. Yeah. It was like, holy crap. Yeah. I, that, how true is that for so many of us? Yes. Where you, you feel like you can't ever be truly forgiven, whether you believe in God or not, just in general of being forgiven and being able to put something behind you. If, if you can't believe that you are worthy of that, not even work, because no one's worthy of it. But yeah. it's given to us yeah. by the grace of God. Yeah. But like, because it's, it is like, because of grace, we are forgiven. But if we can't accept it, how can we stop doing what we're doing? Yeah. That's cr- one amazing. of the most profound yeah. things I've ever heard. And, and, uh, what's, what's great, what's cool too is in this movie, that Pope is like gonna be, he becomes the Pope. Yeah. And, and it does, like, looking back, I didn't, track this while i was watching it but looking back it's like oh this seems like he you know there's even a moment where a guy says like he's cleaning house you know yeah so he he truly like believes in christ and redemption and he is like not this crooked stuff that's going yeah on. he's not in it for the money and stuff from what we see in the movie and then he's assassinated because he's not following what everyone that point else is I was doing so confused in the movie that i didn't really catch that 
that's a but little okay. more like I get it now thinking about the movie. Got it. Got um, it. So let's see. What's interesting is right after that, Michael is talking with Connie about what just happened. Yeah. And it is just, he's just kind of like basically saying what he was told to him where everything's just gotten more crooked or crookeder is how he said it. Yeah. And it just won't stop. And I can't stop it. And he's yeah. feeling pretty hopeless about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Very good. So they're also in Sicily because his son is in an opera. Yep. And it's this big family affair. So Kay comes, but her husband doesn't can't come with her. And Michael is, you know, this is her first time here. Yeah. Big deal. And Michael wants to show her his Sicily. Yeah. And she is like, I'm good. I don't want to spend time with you. I want to spend time with my kids. She set up great boundaries. Love that Very about healthy. her. <laughs> um, and, and so, because she's a big thing for, it's just interesting through her experience, she's pretty much like, I don't like Italians. Yeah. Because of what I've experienced. Uh-huh. And it's just interesting complexities. Absolutely. About a character. Uh, she's a great character. I love yeah. Kay in all three movies. And she's not even in this movie very much. And she's very good. Like her character is yeah. very strong in all scenes yeah. that she's in. But there's that, you know, he takes her out onto uh, out undercover. He likes, he like tricks her. Yeah. Into thinking that he's gone and there's like no bodyguards. And it's this really sweet yeah. part of the movie. Yeah. Um, And he, you know, is showing her like, oh, my dad grew up over here. You know, this and then is. He, he, he's in that, this room where he's looking out the window and he's like, every morning I woke up here thinking of you. And then she's like. And then he got married. Yeah, you, did you wake up with her in this room or something like that? Yeah. And um, so you're like, "Geez, Louise." Yeah. And then you know he he he's like, "You have you got to forgive me," and she's like, she says like, "I always love you and I always will." It's just that that scene is the second best scene in the movie when yeah. they're yeah, like you said, around the table, pretending to eat but not eating because it's just the acting so good with the food too. Yeah. I think. Um, where Michael is bearing his soul, where he is like, I was bad. I made mistakes. I pushed people away. And like, how can I ever get you to forgive me? And she is saying, and then like he said too, he's like, I've never stopped loving you. I've always loved you. And she is just crying because I can only imagine that she is like, this is exactly why I didn't want to be with him alone on this trip because i knew this was going to happen because i knew that it was going to get me to admit that i've always loved him too and we've never stopped loving him but they like never got to finish that conversation uh-huh which is well, well that's the interesting well, and, part Go and ahead. and what i what what's also like also good about like the nuance of this scene is he says i want you to forgive me and so like the movies which they've i think they've done a really good job throughout it's like it's still showcasing like how chauvinistic and like totally. sexist totally these people are because he's telling her i want i want you to forgive me not will you forgive me would you ever forgive me can you please forgive me he says i want you to forgive me and it's interesting so because, it's still about him yeah because prior to that he was talking he was confessing his sins to a priest and doesn't believe that he can be forgiven by god yeah. But he's asking for forgiveness. So he basically can is not asking for forgiveness because yeah. he doesn't feel like he deserves it. Uh-huh. But he thinks that he deserves his his wife's forgiveness. Oh, didn't even think about that. Crazy. So he's trying to get that from her. They are interrupted because meanwhile this whole thing this this got the there's an assassin 
yeah. who's out to kill Michael by yeah. the the dude with the the cane. Um, and they kill someone else, like within basically the Corleone family. Uh huh. And they are interrupted because this guy tells Michael, like, this is what just happened. And you pointed this out and I didn't catch it, but yeah. they shot it in a way that when it cut to Kay, it was like the same framing as in the first movie at the end when she was cut off from what was going on. The last on. scenes. Yeah. It, or, or like, I don't know if it's like exactly the same, but, but it's, it's, it's very similar to where it's like they bore out their souls and then he has to get up and deal with business and leave her out of it. And and right there, she's even like, I've I've experienced this. Yeah. I've experienced this and, moment and maybe, over and over in our life. And you just ask for forgiveness and you're doing the same thing to me immediately. And maybe because if, if like they hadn't been interrupted, she would have forgiven him. And maybe you've even been like, let's try it again. Yeah. Like like that, because that's how manipulative this whole thing is. Uh-huh. But because that happened, she it's like a rude awakening. Like, uh-huh. oh no, he's not nothing, none of this has changed or will ever change. Yeah. Crazy. Um give me a chance to redeem myself and I will sin no more. He says that to when there's someone that's dead. Well, the guy that got shot. Yeah. And that's a good scene he's he's just trying so hard for redemption but he's looking for he's he's not letting other people or god give him that redemption he ha, he's looking for it in himself yeah it's it's crazy so that's the same scene when he gives everything over to vincent oh yeah and maybe that is his the, his last his last stitch effort of of trying to attain that forgiveness oh man can you he's just like tired yeah and broken and he gives all the power to vincent to which i'm a little confused by that yeah i don't i just don't think that we had enough development to trust vincent would like take care of the family yeah because he's very hot-headed and you know the interesting thing is in the first movie if sunny had never died he would have become the dawn it was shaping up to be that way yeah but he died yeah so it was michael so you know in this movie vincent very much like his father is is very hot-headed but it does, so he, he becomes a man in power, and then is he just, it's like the acting changes a little too much, mm-hmm. but maybe it is just him fully taking responsibility. I don't know. It, it just it doesn't just, feel quite earned. It just doesn't quite work. Yeah. And can't you just not wait until, uh, uh, like, fall or winter when we don't have to record with a small film of sweat over us? Oh, yeah, that'd be great. Oh, boy, I'm sweating. Yeah. And it's, it's like 8 o'clock at night. And it wasn't even that hot of a day. Well, it kind of was. It was still in the 90s. But uh, <laughs> so Vince becomes the Don. And then we have the opera sequence, right? Is that, does that cover? Yeah. Is that everything you wanted to talk about up to the opera? Yeah. Um, I love a good opera sequence in a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I had known what the, the opera was because I'm sure that's significant symbolically. Well, there, there is on. that great moment where in the opera he bites the guy's ear uh-huh. and it cuts to Vincent and he's like, oh, yeah, I did yeah. that. I did that to Joey. You know? Yeah. But but there's a lot of religious stuff in the play or the opera yeah. that I didn't quite understand. Yeah, me neither. But I, I I bet that just adds a layer of like, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it, it's just, it's cool. I mean, there's probably examples earlier than this but um, there's a, a, the great movie, The Man Who Knew Too Much. Yeah, yeah The cause... Man Who Knew Too Much, the old Alfred Hitchcock movie, which I actually 
edited into the nervous tick video I made a few years ago. Um, and it's just, I mean, that movie, it's like there's an opera climax. And it's like, I don't know if this is for sure for true, but I think the movie's from the 20s, so it could be, uh, or 30s. It like sets the template for like how every suspenseful opera sequence is going to look. Okay. Um, or, or actually, in that movie, I think it's just an orchestra, but you know, it's a similar kind yeah. of thing. And it just has me like anytime there's an opera thing, I'm just like, oh yeah, baby, because it's so intense. You're seeing like a drama on stage, and then behind the scenes, like people are trying to kill each other. Hmm. You know, it's so intense. And and you know, I think of Mission Impossible, uh, Rogue Nation. There's the great opera sequence where we first meet Rebecca Ferguson. Oh, I also am thinking of Inglorious Bastards. When's there an opera? In There's that? not an opera, but oh, the they're at an theater. art house. Yeah, yeah. And then even Tenet opens at an mm-hmm. opera. You know, it's just it's just such an epic thing to do in a movie. Like put an opera in there. Mm-hmm. Love that. Um, I I do think though that this sequence is really long and it's, it's so long and it's it's very confusing what's going on There's there is people some are cool murdered stuff who i don't know if i saw them earlier in the movie and i know that i did but i'm like who is this and why is why does it matter that they died yeah and and i think like you said earlier it's very like blase about when it switches music cues and it feels like it does it with no real intent behind it that's kind of throughout the whole movie for me. I just think in the opera scene, it really showcases that. Because yeah. there's times where it's like playing like a Godfather song on top of the opera music. Yeah. Um, which can work. But then it'll just like the one will fade out and then it'll keep doing the other. And then yeah, it cuts. it's just jarring. It, w- it was very strange. And the whole time I was like confused about the the guy who was killing the Pope. Yeah. I was confused about that. I was confused about 90% of it. It is important to know when Vincent was made, was given all the power, the condition was he has to end things with Mary, to which he does. Yeah. And potentially, like, the significant thing about that is, like, one, they're cousins. It's wrong. Two, apparently it's too dangerous. Three, it it is, like, it is pushing her out of Uh being in that inner circle. Uh She can never be part of that. Yeah. Like Connie was the closest woman to do it. Yeah. You know, I think that's Michael protecting his daughter, but it is like another layer of like, she is his daughter and she'll never know these things. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of killing and stuff. And so while all the killings going on, this guy's trying to assassinate Michael yeah. and he like kills other guys in the process. And, um, that was pretty suspenseful. Yeah, I know that, but yeah. intercut with all the other. I'm stuff, not saying this is a bad scene. No, it just could have used like one more pass. Who was the dude with all the money? So he was, uh, uh, like some sort of banker that had to deal with the Vatican. Who, yeah, I don't remember exactly what they said about him, but they they talked about him and they cut to him like once before the opera. And started. so this is all of Vincent's orders. I think so. It's just crazy how fast these orders go out. <laughs> I know, I know, but, but uh, and, and uh, I think it does. It doesn't help that like in in Godfather One, you know, he he kills the heads of the five families, but we've seen them a couple of times throughout the movie, and we've seen the people that are going to kill them a couple of times throughout the movie. And in this one, it's like like the guy with the money, he just kind of shows up 
And then like the guy who kills him, I didn't recognize. Uh-uh. And and there was just it was like I don't know who's who no. right now. And I don't and, know who's on whose team. Yeah, and I don't know who's on first. But I think or what's second. on second. No, what's on second? But but who's on first? No, I know who's on first. Okay. But <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so it it is confusing. Um, but you know it's it is cool when the guy stabs the guy with his glasses. Oh, totally. Um, the, the, uh... The Pope is poisoned. Pope is poisoned. Another guy is shot. And I liked, artistically, the, the guy that is in, like, I'm assuming the Vatican or something, is shot and he, like, falls down the middle of the stairwell. It oh, looked, yeah. It looked cool. It looked He's the guy who made poetic. the dealings with Michael at the beginning. Yeah. But he kept popping out throughout the movie and I'm like, why does it matter? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's just because of me not understanding a lot of it. But... But it's okay. Most people didn't. Remember, I keep telling you that. That's Don't true. be hard on yourself. Opera also, ends. I didn't get that part either. <laughs> Opera ends. The um, guy's still so, trying to kill him. Tony did so good. Everyone's yeah. so happy. And they're leaving the theater, and the guy comes to assassinate Michael, pulls the trigger, and shoots Michael in the shoulder, and Mary in the chest. And Mary dies pretty quickly. I was uh, not expecting that. Yeah. But I think it was a very interesting development. Yeah. And and Vincent, like, just, th- they grab the guy, like, his guys grab him, and they're, like, going to hold him, and Vincent just immediately kills the guy. Uh-huh. Which was a good move, I think. Uh-huh. Um, And so... Just, like, a harrowing scene of all these people screaming in yeah. grief and shock, and especially Al Pacino right here. That was emotional. Him screaming, and it was uh, silent... Yeah, the first scream is they cut the sound, and then the second scream he's. I just gotta think that that. on that day of filming, that's the only thing he did that day because it was that emotionally taxing. Yeah, because it looked exhausting. Yeah, he really convinced me. No, I mean that that's a great. It's great. It's a great scene. Um, and then like it isn't the next scene him dying. Uh huh. It was pretty funny too, just for you audience members. (laughs) I just had to say, Jordan was like, I don't know what it was. but I was you, trying to look up Sofia Coppola. She's trying to look up Sofia Coppola, and I, it was I knew related. that the movie was going to end soon. I remembered that much, like it was going to end soon, and then it cuts to, uh, you know, him, <sighs> and Jor- I, I can see out of the corner of my eye that Jordan's still on her phone just looking straight down, and I'm like... The IMDb wasn't loading. And I'm like, Jordan... You look and you're like sorry 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 and then you put your phone down and like the next second michael keels over and dies and i was like you almost missed the death of michael corleone <laughs> what would this have all been about y- so you were off your phone the whole movie and and you were like oh I now's know, a good time so here's the question okay him dying alone yes what does that me- say about the mafia well he's out yeah. Well, and I would say that's my reading. You could probably say, like, what maybe your... Connie's in the other room. I don't know. But he still died alone. But I think... His, his father didn't even die alone. No. He had his grandson there. He was he with family. He wasn't even surrounded... Yeah. So he was surrounded by no one. So he, he, you know, the first beginning of the movie, or the... Sorry. In the first movie, he takes up the mantle of the Corleone family, almost by, like, it's his duty to do it. It doesn't matter yeah. if he wanted to or not. And then he he leads this, like, potentially, it, it's not selfless, but, like, selfless life that's only dedicated to this family. And it cost him his family. So, basically, like, he lived a life 
lived only for others. Obviously not. He had yeah, a lot he, of issues. He didn't live for others at all. He lived completely for but himself. But I think he thinks that he did. Oh, he thinks he did, yeah. Until the end of his life when he was like, what have I done with my life? Yeah. And then he died alone. Yeah. And and you, I can imagine that, like, you know, like with Vito, he did, even though he was doing bad things, he always prioritized family first. Mm-hmm. And Michael said that he did, but he didn't. Mm-hmm. He acted like he did, but he never prioritized family first. So you got to imagine, you know, Mary's laying there dead. Tony's never going to talk to him again. Uh-huh. Kay's never going to talk to him again. I, who knows about the rest of the family, but they're done with him. Yeah. You know, he's done enough. Yeah, basically, he if he was to give up his power, which is what Vito did. Yeah. That, that meant that he should have lived out the rest of his days surrounded by his family. Yeah. And and that doesn't happen, and mm-hmm. and I think I think you know what's what's really uh, you know thinking back on the second movie as as we see the rise of Vito corresponding with the rise of Michael, we see how much again as much as Vito is a bad guy, like he's doing wrong things, he is always like he's there for the birth of his son, and he is like trying to help others, and he, it's just he happens to be a criminal whereas like michael you know is covering his butt fleeing to cuba he's like ruling with fear and power and Vito always ruled with love and respect well that's the interesting thing with Vito because it all it all was born out of a like like you're saying love and respect and like almost like an altruistic potential yeah. yeah thing like like no one because because it was the second movie was so heavily about italian immigrants obviously that it was like, okay, well, this is, this system in America is not looking out for us, so we need to look out for each other. Yeah, and that's where that all was born with that love and respect thing. Yeah, he also was seeing that the fear was not working; and uh-huh. it would never work. But with with Mike, by the time it became Michael's turn, that was so lost. It was like things had changed almost too much. Yeah, because it's crime, uh-huh. and it's wrong. And and you know, uh, you you got to think that like. Uh, I lost it completely, but that's, that's okay. okay. Uh, I'm about to lose my voice, I think. But yeah, I mean, these are great movies. They're and, great movies. And I, I think this movie's really good. I think this is like, the other two movies are like 10 out of 10s, and this is like an easy 7 out of 10. Okay. And I I could be convinced, like I, if someone was like, oh, no, this one's an 8, I'd be like, that's cool that you think it's an eight. And if you're like, no, it's a six. I'm like, that's cool. I think much lower. You're not giving it enough credit. Talking through it made me like it more. Yeah. Well, but- I, we'll definitely, I mean, at some point in our lives, I'm not thinking anytime soon, we, we should definitely try and watch that edit. Cause I'm very curious about that. Yeah. And maybe we'll do a little, uh, you know, like 10 minute episode where we could say, Oh guys, it's actually good. Or, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, so let's rank them. I oh, think. Okay. One, two, three. Wow, the first one is your least? No, best to least, one, two, three. Yeah, I agree. But the more I think about, I've been stewing on two a lot. It's like, it's very close for me. Yeah. But but one, as much as our podcast as sequels exist, or we exist to prove people wrong when they say sequels are never better than the originals, there's just something about that first movie that is just like unmatched in cinema. I have been thinking about the second movie too and thinking about how good it is. Yeah. Especially the veto stuff. I know. 
I I also want to watch the cut they did for TV where it's all chronological yeah. and see like how that kind of changes how, yeah. how you view it, you know. So maybe it'd be fun to watch that and then watch the coda, mm-hmm. the re-edit. That's that's what I'm gonna do next time. Um, so thank you for listening. Go to Patreon.com/slash Micah and download this month's MPU the sequel episode on Kill Bill Volume One. Have we? mentioned what our next series is um i don't think we have but let me uh, let's keep them waiting just a moment longer so go do that um and just another reminder once we get to 50 patrons we're gonna do an extra podcast so we'll have two two patreon podcasts a month and that extra one we're gonna do all the pixar movies that we haven't already covered on our patreon and on this main feed. So let's get to 50. We're getting there. We're getting closer all the time. Um, and then tell them what our next series is. Uh, Fear Street. Netflix's Fear Street. Netflix's Fear Street. So we said, you know, it has to be theatrical releases, but you got to listen to the first episode to talk about why we chose to cover this series. Yeah. And uh, we've actually recorded two of them already. We just have to record the last one. Yep. And uh, it's... Quite the change of pace. It's been but very we interesting. we can't wait for Halloween. Yes. But we are watching them in August, so it doesn't feel like we're even close to Halloween yet. It but. does to me. <laughs> and then we're going to follow it up with another scary series. You'll never guess. So it's seven... Although you probably will as soon as you listen to Fear Street 1984. <laughs> 94. Uh, 1994. But yeah, so that's seven movies in a row of scariness. So we'll see you next time. Oh, and leave us a review, please. Yeah.